Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Saturday, May 11th. I'm Danny Clayton, joined in the studio on this beautiful day. Mark Oswald, a relatively beautiful day for spring. Well, not bad. I mean, we're getting there at least. I mean, we're uh, here in May and getting a little yard work done this afternoon, but uh, good morning to everybody. And, and by yard work, uh, we're looking at you, Derek. Derek Felscare, Chief Investment I, Officer. I, I, I do mean? not have a yard. There will be well, no yard work done. Aren't your yards like 400 yards long? It's a little patio with a lot of dirt. Okay, and then we wind up with you, David J. Spano. Hello. Yes, sir. How are you, my friend? Good. Let's do that week in review. Okay, so, you know, all conversations this week seem to focus around China. And as we went into the beginning of the week, there has been some conversation that the deal was looks like it was done. And then it started to stumble and things started to fall behind. Early in the week, the United States government filed paperwork to raise tariffs from 10 to 25 percent. And as the week went on, it looked like conversations were not doing well. The Chinese delegation came in, they met, and they left on Friday. And on Friday, yesterday, we ended up up 100 points on the Dow Jones, which was interesting because there was no deal. And you think about what's really happening here, guys, is I'm sure Mr. Trump is, is trying to negotiate. That is what he does. And someone told us this week he was dealt a royal flush. We had low unemployment. We had a good GDP report. We had low interest rates, high productivity, maybe a time to renegotiate. Well, and I think that's where, you know, one's perception really affects how one views all this. Because, you know, I read a a separate article about, you know, what the Chinese were perhaps thinking. And and they view Donald Trump's uh, insistence that the Fed cut rates an additional 100 basis points as a sign that he felt the U.S. economy wasn't as strong as it appeared. And then, of course, you know, as they went through the the administrative paperwork of, of showing this to the hardliners in China, there were a lot of things that would have to change. Some Chinese law would have to change, and many of the hardliners are apparently uh, objected to that, felt the Chinese were giving up too much. And so perhaps the Chinese took a political calculation and thought that, you know, he's got to face his re-election on, in November of 2020. Uh, they can do other things like uh, depreciate their currency, more fiscal measures and the like, so the Chinese economy could weather what would be about a half percent cut to GDP in the interim and, and wait out a better time to negotiate these very important issues. And Mark, you know, that's exactly what was happening. There was speculation on both sides. The Chinese, uh, their their markets have not done well, down more than 8% for the week, but a lot of speculation. We should probably deal with some, some things that we do know, some facts that are actually in place at the moment. You look at the reality. This is always about fundamentals, and you start to think about the two world's largest economies in the United States and China. And you start to think about what that means for Europe and what that means for investors. And I think that's the takeaway. You know, you walk away and say, well, I don't own any Chinese companies. I don't own Tencent or whatever it might be. And then you start to think about 
How does it affect my international portfolio? How does it affect my U.S. portfolio in terms of U.S. companies that are doing business overseas? You mentioned the strong dollar, maybe weakening of the yuan. There's things that come into play here, but they're more global, Derek. It doesn't really matter what happened on Friday or this week. I think you start to think about the fundamentals going forward and what that means for your overall investment portfolio. Well, right. I mean, and I think, you know, part of the reason the S&P rallied 25% from Christmas Eve into into last week was the belief that we were seeing the slow quarter of the year for corporate earnings in the first quarter. But, you know, anytime you start pushing back negotiations and deadlines and the like, remember, there's still a negotiation ahead with the EU about auto tariffs and the like. Uh, That can reduce, you know, uh, business certainty, which causes businesses to sit on their hands, perhaps not invest as they would, might cause them not to hire as they might. So that puts sort of that whole end of year uptick in economic activity at greater jeopardy than it was just a week ago. Because, Dave, as you mentioned, I think the deal was priced in. And, and I do think so as well. Now, what we're seeing right now is the potential for a policy mistake. We looked at what we do know, and what we do know is that unemployment is at a 50-year low. We know that interest rates are low, and the Fed is sitting on the sideline. GDP has got a really good report, higher than what we expected it to be. Higher productivity, those are the things that we do know. Does the administration make a policy mistake and put some of that back? You know, Is it an error? We'll have to see. That is currently the belief. I mean, the economic data would suggest that's really not necessary. But depending on how these uh, negotiations play out, how investors view the uncertainty about corporate spending going into the second half of the year, certainly the odds of a rate cut would increase and did increase somewhat during the week. Shifting gears now, we want to talk about earnings. Earnings reports are coming in, Derek, and a lot of them are better than expected. There were fairly low expectations coming into the reporting season with estimates ranging from down 3 to down 4% on a year-over-year basis basis, but it looks like Q1 is going to shape up as plus 1% to 2%, so certainly much better than, than people had thought when we began earnings season. Uh, the one thing I will point out, though, is for Q2, earnings estimates have continued to move lower, and they are actually now looking for a modest decline in earnings on a year-over-year basis in and, Q2. And Mark, we saw that the year-over-year comparisons coming in were, were tepid. Well, I mean, everything's relative, right? I mean, when you look at 2018 compared to 2017, we were talking about 20% earnings growth. Now we set the bar pretty high. And now in 2019, we're seeing 3 or 4% growth. You're still seeing growth. When you see earnings growth, that's good for stocks. You're not going to see those double-digit numbers, perhaps, that we saw in 2018. But growth of earnings is growth of earnings, and that's good for stocks. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, 1014 at WTMJ. I want to mention Destination Retirement. Are we there yet? A very popular workshop that we offer. And there is one coming next Wednesday. Next Wednesday to our Mequon branch. Uh, if you have any questions on that, you can just just go to the Annex Wealth uh, website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Events tab in the upper right. It's a 6 o'clock start. If you're pre-planning retirement, this is a great, great, great uh, workshop. Really, really popular. Destination Retirement, Are We There Yet? Happens in Mequon on Wednesday. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. And we're back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, May 11th. It's all about Team Tech Trust website, AnnexWealth.com. Just click that Get Started button and we will get you going. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsky and Dave Spano with our public service announcement. Yeah, that's right. It is May, of course, so that means a lot of good things are happening. Of course, the Kentucky Derby is behind us and Mark is working on his lawn. 
But it's Mother's Day tomorrow, Thank and you. so happy Mother's Day okay, to all the mothers listening. Don't be that guy at right. the Walgreens tomorrow morning. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm picking up a card and some flowers. Do it today. Anyway, so sell in Maine, go away is often something that you hear in the investing public. And, you know, we look at this, and, and the reason why this is around, and we've talked about it before, is that the second and third quarters of the year, those quarters in the middle, starting in, you know, in the middle of the year, don't do as well. And so, therefore, people say sell in May and go away. But there really isn't a lot of math behind that, Derek. You know, you've looked over it over the last 50 years. And what does the math tell us? Well, it's, it's, it's not, not fail-safe, but, but over the last 50 years, it certainly has averaged out that way. Basically, over that period of time, you're looking at a return of one-third of 1% uh, from May to October versus a return of 7.6% from November through April uh, with a lot less volatility. Uh, in the last five years, however, the numbers are roughly the same, 4.3 versus 5.5. At Annex, we would never advocate a, a strategy that extreme. However, it certainly is a good time to, to review your portfolio and look at things that have really had a big run since uh, Christmas Eve. For, for example, the tech sector is up about 25% year-to-date, almost 30% from the Christmas Eve lows led by the semiconductor sector in particular. So, you know, it might not be a bad time to rebalance those areas of the portfolio that are the most extended, because it is possible that unless we get a trade deal soon, we could chop around here as volatility climbs into the summer months. Couldn't agree more, of course, but, you know, when you start thinking about reasons to rebalance your portfolio, the calendar turning is not one of them. What you really should be looking at is what's at play right now. If you had a run-up in the equity portion of your portfolio, remember, we're up 17, 16, 17% on the S&P 500 year to date. And if your bonds have not kept pace with that, and most people haven't, you might be a little out of whack. And, and it would be a good time to look at that right now, not because it's May, but because it's a good opportunity to maybe pick some things off now that we've had some volatility this week. You know, and it's also not just in the equity piece. Um, the high yield market has done fabulously well. High yield bonds are, the high yield bond market's up about 9% year to date. And there is duration risk in, in high yield because these are sometimes long dated securities. So if interest rates do start to move up, perhaps after that, that we do negotiate a trade deal and there's less pressure, less downward pressure on U.S. Treasury yields, you know, you could see a pullback in the high yield market. So you might want to reconstitute your allocations and fixed income as well. You know, you said, Mark, uh, that your portfolio is out of whack. And fortunately, you looked at Derek when you said out of whack <laughs> and, and not over at me. But, uh, you know, speaking of out of whack, we uh, we just spent a lot of time talking about IPOs over the last number of weeks. And yesterday, Uber came public and uh, the initial price, uh, the pricing that came out was 45 And again, another stock that came out ended below the initial price mark. Well, and it's really interesting to watch because this was hyped. Obviously, a lot of people were waiting for this IPO. You wonder how much Thunder Lyft took away from Uber because Lyft came out at a higher price and then came back almost 40% since its IPO price. You look at these companies, and maybe it's healthy because I think you start to look at investors or investment houses, the Morgan Stanleys and the underwriters of these types of things. They're having a more difficult time getting these shares out at a higher valuation because people are looking at the fundamentals. They're looking at the company and saying, here we got a company that's going public that doesn't make money at this point in time. So what are the future prospects of a company like Uber? You know, we always joke, Derek, that, you know, for us, for our listeners and for companies like ours, if you can get your hands on IPO shares, it's probably an IPO you don't want to own. No, that's absolutely right. And in fact, they they priced it at the the low end of the range, forty one to forty five. They priced it at forty two. It got as high as forty four in the aftermarket after it started publicly trading, but it closed at the end of the day at forty one fifty seven. So a little bit below where it opened. But you know the the point here is they raised eight billion dollars, 
and and that's a significant amount of money. And Uber's business model is decidedly different from Lyft, much broader, uh, many more potential avenues of growth. They also own stakes in overseas competitors in China and Europe and so on. So I don't like to tend to buy IPOs until after you get through that first lockup period because that's when you really find out you know what the operating dynamics are. For example, Lyft reported this week. No one had any idea how to read that report. The stock did drop again. It's down to about 52. It did trade as high as 87. So it's getting close to that $50 level we talked about a couple of months ago as a potential target on the downside. You know, somewhere between 40 and 50% off its high is not a bad spot to consider adding a position if you're so inclined. So for most people, this would be fun money. This would be a small portion of their portfolio. Maybe you think you're going to hit a home run with this, but this is not about financial planning and asset allocation. It's nice to talk about when you start thinking about your real money, your serious money, your retirement money. That's the money you want to meet with a fiduciary advisor. And you can do that. You could do that soon. Just go to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with James Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Hey, and it's a team segment with Annex Wealth Management. It's about Team Tech Trust. When you're a wealth management firm, there's some people who might think, well, I'm not wealthy, so therefore this is not for me. And that's not the case. Annex decided a long time ago that financial planning and wealth management is for everybody, and that's where Annex Ignite comes in. Brandon Arps is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. He's part of the Annex Ignite team. Brandon, welcome back. Thanks, Danny. So Annex Ignite certainly meets a need. Yeah, it's financial planning that's the right size for people where they are right now. Um, Where it becomes important is on some of those goals that you have in the future. Maybe it's short-term, long-term, or retirement for that matter. Talk a little bit about a recent conversation you had with a couple regarding Roth 401ks. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, so this is really a story about the power of ongoing financial planning, taxes, and really time. These folks, Floyd and Millie, mid-30s professionals, they have really good jobs. uh, And they're in a spot right now where they're able to save the the maximum in their 401ks, $19,000 for tax year. 2019. And what our financial planning team and, and tax team suggested was to take a look at what they're doing right now. What they are doing right now is, is a lot of those pre-tax contributions. That's, that's where you don't pay income tax on what you put in, but in retirement, when you go to supplement your income, the government says, hey, I haven't received any income tax on that. When you take the money out, you know, Uncle Sam comes out with his hat and he wants his. Alternatively, the option for them would be to pay income tax now and have that contribution grow throughout their working years and into retirement completely tax-free. So the Roth 401k contribution, you do pay taxes today, but you don't pay taxes down the line. And for them, the benefit of that actually forecasted to be in a significant size, about six figures. And really what that conversation revolves around when we're talking about incomes and we're talking about current tax policy is really looking at historically where we are on a tax perspective as well. They're in the 24% income tax bracket kind of ponying up and paying Uncle Sam today in order to not have to pay for a future liability that we don't really know about from a tax perspective made sense to them. We're going to go ahead and implement that plan. These are folks that we've been talking with for the last three years. Their plan was different three years ago because tax policy was different three years ago. That makes it all that more important to keep the continuing conversations revolving around your financial plan with your financial professional. 
you know, we talk often about efficiency, and you recently spotted somebody eight accounts at eight different places. That was Julius, and um, like a lot of folks, mom and dad had set up my accounts, so those are minor accounts. She had a Roth IRA that was set up when she was younger. She had a couple employer plans. She had a current employer plan, but things were everywhere, right? And really what it came down to was tax time. I got a call from her, and she says, you know what? I've got all these statements. I don't know what to do with them. Let's make this make sense for me. Let's look at consolidating those accounts. Dave Spano often talks about the mishmash that people have, you know, that collection of 401ks that just kind of dangle in the wind. Yeah, so I recently spoke with Reba. She had five employer plans that were floating in the wind. You know, it just so happens she started working right after college, built a family. Now she's in her early 40s. She's got five of these employer plans that are just floating out there. She just got a brand new job. And I reached out and I said, hey, you know, what are you doing with these? What are they doing for you, more importantly? And and do they make sense for your financial plan? So what we're going to do is look at consolidating those plans into one or two accounts and making sure that we keep a level eye on what's going on within the accounts. Brandon Arps is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, part of the Annex Ignite team where we do right-size financial planning. Annex Ignite makes it super easy to meet using Annex everywhere. Tell a little bit about that. Annex Ignite is super easy. If you can click a link, you can join a, a web meeting with us. We share our screen with you and really have a one-on-one meeting, similar to what we'd have at a brick-and-mortar location or one of our locations. You're looking at your computer monitor, your tablet. Whatever really works for you is where we'll meet you. So back to our original conversation. Annex decided long ago financial planning and wealth management is for everybody. That's where Annex Ignite comes in. Totally agree, Danny. Yeah, we offer fiduciary care of your accounts and your relationship with us, meaning that we're acting in your best interest at all times. I think that's paramount to the relationships that we have here at Annex Ignite. Above and beyond that, we have expert insight. We have a team built around you. And finally, we have comprehensive financial planning that is structured and individualized to to you and your, your growing family. Brandon Arps, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, part of the Annex Ignite team. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Danny. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, May 11th, Team Tech Trust, website, AnnexWealth.com. Hit the Get Started button, get that free portfolio analysis. We have offices just about everywhere, Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton, downtown at the Fister, and then Annex Everywhere. If you can hear WTMJ, you can use Easy Screen Share, and we can uh, use Annex Everywhere to talk to you. Time for Ask Annex. Yes. Uh, yes, you can uh, submit your questions at AnnexWealth.com. Just look for the Ask button. Mandy, this is your special Mother's Day weekend present. You get to be on Money Talk. How about that? (laughs) You ready for a couple? I am. All right. These people, they can't get enough of taxes. How about that? (laughs) Our first one is from Tom. Is there a set percentage that has to be withdrawn from my IRA next year, September 27th, when I turn 70 and a half? Does it need to be taken on the same year as I turn 70 and a half? And is it a lump sum payment, less taxes? All right, hold on a second. You had a bunch That's there. a lot of questions yeah, all in right, there. All right, Mark, <laughs> let's decipher what that actually said right there. For If you're driving down the freeway right now that, you, that you're following all of this. Yeah, let's start with RMD. RMD is required minimum distribution. At some point in time, Uncle Sam wants to get his. And so you can't leave that money in an IRA forever. And at some point in time, you're required to take at least a minimum distribution from your IRA account. So, Mandy, what you do when you get to that point in time is you add up all of your IRAs together and you come up with a lump sum, whatever that number might be. 
What about the timing of that? Now, he mentioned he turns 70 and a half in September. When does he have to take his first distribution? So he has some flexibility in that first year. You do have up until April of the year after you turn 70 and a half. So in his example, that'd be April 1st of 2020. But you have to be cautious of that because you still have a required minimum distribution then that needs to be taken in 2020. So from a tax standpoint, you're doubling up then, but you do have some flexibility to take it in the year after, but that's just that first year. So you take the 2019 one in April of 2020 and then still have to take the 2021 before December 31st of 2020. That is correct, yes. And so how is that calculated? You know, we Mark, you talked about the fact that even though you may have IRAs all over the place, maybe at a brokerage firm, a bank, and somewhere else, you you add all of those up, you get a number, then what do you do from that yeah, point? Yeah, then you go to the IRS table, and there's something called the Uniform Lifetime Table, and essentially what it does is it gives you a divisor. You take the, the amount of money in the IRAs and then you p- apply that factor. When you turn 71, that number is 26.5 at this point in time. So you take that number, the, the lump sum, divide it by that number, and that'll tell you what you have to take out. So to answer Thomas's question, roughly 4%. Now, why, Danny, why are you rolling your eyes at Because that sounds absolutely horrible. And it's, a compl- it's a compliance. Well, it's almost well, a compliance. Well, I have a compliance is. person and a tax <laughs> person. Well, that's why we bring them in. Well, that's why we were seriously sitting in our lobby with a client yesterday, and we're just kind of talking about Annex in general. And she said the greatest thing. I've realized with Annex, it's okay if you don't know it because you guys have the team. Barb, if you're out there listening, <laughs> thank you because I don't know it either. And Mandy, that's why you're part of the team here as a tax planner. All right, so we, let's try to sneak one well, more in, Danny. This is, this is kind of the same thing. I've got an, uh, this is from Thomas. I have an inherited IRA, which makes me, which requires me to take an RMD. Can I just take the RMD and put it in my own IRA? In the way that question is phased, no. What you can do is you can take that required minimum distribution from your inherited IRA, pay tax, put it in your bank account, and if you meet all the other requirements to contribute to an IRA, you can then add it, such as income levels and having earned income and being under 70 and a half. Could you make it as a non-deductible contribution to an IRA, regardless of some of the other rules that might be out there on compensation? Yes, yes. So he could still protect it and get the tax deferral on the after-tax dollars now that he's paid taxes on the RMD. Yeah, and I would also look to contribute to a Roth IRA. If you're above the traditional IRA phase-out, Roth IRA has a little more room for you to contribute, and then it grows tax-free. So a real quick primer on Roth IRAs for those of us who are not experts at it. Roth IRA is what? It's it's after-tax dollars uh, versus pre-tax dollars. Mm-hmm. And then there is none of this cra- these crazy RMD rules as well, right? Correct. If you contribute to your own Roth IRA during your life, you do not have to take that pesky required minimum distribution, and it can grow tax-free. So you have it going in after-tax, but then it's tax-free for the rest of your life. There's some estate planning benefits to that as well, Mark. For sure. There are, you know, the way that you can name beneficiaries and the way that it's taken out. The other caveat to that, of course, is you'd have to have earned income in that year in order to make that contribution to the Roth IRA. Correct, Mandy? That is correct. Always got to have earned income. And so a combination of pre-tax and after-tax is one way to, to do some planning. We often look at client situations and ask that question. Is Should you use pre-tax money? Should you use after-tax money? Where does it work? What is your income going to be? And all of this goes into the financial planning process. It certainly does, Dave. And when you start thinking about diversification of the tax code, we know what the tax rates are now. We don't know what they're going to be in the future. You're kind of leveraging the tax law, knowing what you know now, and kind of planning for what happens tomorrow. And it's a difference between tax preparers and tax planners, right, Mandy? I mean, because people who do tax prep 
are going to just do this year's taxes. People who are doing tax planning are looking years into the future. Right, and tax planning really goes hand in hand with financial planning. You need to be able to see the full financial picture to do some decent tax planning. Happy Mother's Day, Mandy. Thanks for coming Thank in. It's at 1040 at WTMJ. This is Money Talk. Up next, some members of our financial planning team are going to cover three key things to be aware of during retirement. Uh, pay attention. This is a good segment, and it's next on Money Talk on WTMJ. Time is money. Make the most of yours with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. Let's welcome some of the members of the Annex Wealth Management Planning Team. Randy Winkler, CFP, Manager of Financial Planning at Annex. Hello. Hey, Danny. And Patrick Noble, Financial Planning Specialist at Annex. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Danny. How are you? Good. Welcome, guys. So Randy and his team, they're at the front end of financial planning process, but it doesn't stop there. I've got a guess, guys. You have probably, between the two of you, have seen thousands of plans over the years. You ever count? I would guess tens of thousands. They, there's been a few. We want to present three factors that everybody needs to keep in mind when they're putting the plan together. So the first thing is inflation. Inflation is a big one that a lot of people forget about because you don't see it from day to day. It's kind of like aging. You know, you don't see that you're getting older when you look in the mirror, but then you look at the picture from 20 years ago and go, hey, what happened? Inflation is a lot like that. So we have to factor that in because it affects your spending power, your purchasing power. Yeah. Think of it this way, that $10,000 you have today is not going to buy you $10,000 worth of stuff in, let's say, 20 years when you retire. So it's important to monitor it along the way. And in retirement, it's important too, because if inflation, which is over time averaged about 3%, it will double what you need to withdraw from your portfolio over 24 years. So let's say you retire at 60 and you need $100,000. By the time you're 84, you need $200,000. So you have to factor that in and get some growth. If you're just breaking even, that may be good enough for some people, but you want to get a little bit more on top of that typically. The tough part about it lately is that for the last decade or so, we've been in a very low inflationary environment. However, historically speaking, inflation's around 3%. So people have been used to about 1%, 1.5% in their financial plan, but historically speaking, you're looking at 3%. So it's important to take that into consideration when you're building out your overall financial plan. Yeah, think about that if you just put your money in the bank and if you're getting you know 2% on your CD, you're not even keeping up with inflation historically. If inflation starts going up, typically your rates at the bank will go up as well. Best case, you're just breaking even. You're not moving ahead. Second key factor to keep in mind during financial planning in the process is health care costs. And that, guys, can be a pretty big number. Yeah, I just saw recently a couple of different studies that came out on how much you could expect to spend in retirement. So for an average couple, it's between I've seen 285000 to $363,000 over their lifetime. And that's something that's going up quicker than typical inflation. Where if inflation is at three, healthcare might be at four, five, six percent. And the scarier part about that as well, Danny, is that that doesn't include things like dental costs or hearing aids or what about long-term care expenses? It helps to get a good idea of what your family history is like to keep in mind what your healthcare expense needs are going to be when you're in retirement. Do you factor in Medicare, Medicaid, things like that? Yes. Yeah, so Medicaid, not so much because the way that it works now, you pretty much have to be out of money. It used to be a kind of a technique in the um, um, wealth management. It's like, hey, let's do Medicaid planning, but the government has protected and there's a look back. You know, if you give your money away, they can go back 10 years. And it's not really a plan. It's the last resort. But with Medicare, there are some things you can plan for and finding the, the appropriate plan for you and then having the reserves to be able to cover the expenses that come up that aren't covered by Medicare. 
One of the popular strategies a lot of our clients use these days is long-term care insurance, and it's something I never would think I would need. The reality is the average cost for long-term care expense is about $114,000 a year. Let's put that in perspective, and the average stay is about three years. Well, if I don't have that in my bank account all ready to go, grown by inflation, I'm in trouble. About 70% of people will have a long-term care event, but I believe it's under 10% of people actually have long-term care insurance. So it's a, it's a growing need, and it's not that much fun to talk about. You hope for the best, and you plan for the worst. A couple of members of the Annex Wealth Management Financial Planning team are here. Randy Winkler is the CFP, Manager of Financial Planning at Annex Wealth Management. Patrick Noble is a Financial Planning Specialist at Annex, talking about the three factors that everybody needs to keep in mind during retirement. The first was inflation, second, health care costs, and the third, taxes. Yeah, taxes is a big one that a lot of people don't factor in. Depending on the makeup of the accounts that you have, you could be paying a lot of taxes or no taxes. So we see people that have got very nice nest egg, but every dime of it's in an IRA or a 401k. When you take withdrawals from that, you're paying income taxes. And depending on how much you take out, you could be in the 10% bracket all the way up to the 37% bracket. When we work with clients that have a lot of their portfolio in pre-tax IRAs, we'll talk about the concept of Roth conversions, where they can convert some of those pre-tax dollars into a Roth IRA and not pay taxes on it while they're in retirement. Yeah, ideally, you like to have diversification amongst your accounts, not just amongst your investments. So if you've got some IRA, which is pre-tax, you've got some Roth which is post-tax, then you've got a uh, joint or an individual account, which is currently taxed, you can pretty much control your own tax bracket based on where you make the withdrawals from. But that's the kind of thing that most people don't have experience with. Even if they do their own investing, when it comes time to make the withdrawals, it it gets uh, very confusing and complicated. But it's also very powerful. I mean, if you do it correctly, we've seen it where people have saved a quarter of a million dollars in taxes over a short period of time just by making withdrawals from the appropriate prices. And that's what we help do through good planning, right? Yep, and that's what's fun for us. We like doing that kind of thing. Sir Randy Winkler, CFP and Manager of Financial Planning at Annex, and Patrick Noble, a Financial Planning Specialist at Annex. It's what you guys do day in, day out. When we say the free portfolio analysis, you run that stuff through the ringer, the good kind of a ringer. That is correct. Good. Guys, thanks for coming in. Patrick, thank you. Thanks, Danny. And Randy, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, put those guys to work. Uh, That's what happens when you sign up for the free portfolio analysis. You can do that today, right now at 1050 on WTMJ. Just go to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. Don't settle for less. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WGMJ. And we're back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Team Tech Trust, Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton, downtown at the Fister, and Annex everywhere. That's where we're at, and that's where we'll meet you. I'm Danny Clayton, Mark Oswald here, Dirk Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, and Dave Spano. So this week, uh, the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, was on CNBC, and he dragged along Charlie Munger, his longtime partner in Bill. Bill Gates. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Munger is 92, I believe, and uh, and still articulate and telling the stories and uh, still managing some money. But anyway, uh, they were talking about a lot of things, and one of them was you know where the price of stocks are. And and Buffett was in the middle of this uh, Chevron deal that happened uh, or didn't happen this past week, but Chevron was trying to be, be involved in an M and A deal. Warren Buffett got behind the competitor, and Chevron backed out and collected a billion dollars for this, Derek. Yeah, it was a. I mean, when when the deal was originally announced, we actually bought Chevron in our equity.
property income strategy, primarily because it, it would have reaccelerated uh, their growth rate, growth rate. It was already a cheap stock to begin with, paying a really nice dividend. And we had been struck by the dichotomy and performance between energy shares and the price of oil. Uh, we still like Chevron. In fact, Chevron traded up about 2.5-3% after that was announced. But it just highlights that there's a lot of value in the energy sector. And you know Warren Buffett obviously sniffed that out. And Anadarko was the company that was the target. And so we look at what was really happening, and Occidental Petroleum got involved in the middle of that and recruited the help of Warren Buffett as well, Mark. And you know, the other really funny thing about that that you pointed out to me was the back-away fee that Chevron received for Anadarko pulling out of the deal was a billion dollars, right? And what did they do with that money was really interesting because they took that money and pledged to buy back their own shares, which takes more shares out of the market, more earnings per share for the the investors that are left. And the share buybacks has been happening, and part of that is because interest rates are so low, and you, know, you sit around and you're on a board of directors, and you have to be a custodian for that capital. Well, buying back shares is one of those things to make your share price go up. You know, moving along, there is a lot of news this week about China and what could actually happen there. But there is a company called Huawei. And Huawei is a Chinese company that is a giant in the 5G industry. But they got they were made a lot of news because their executive was arrested in Canada uh, for some potential trade secrets. But 5G is coming, folks. And, she, and, and what the things that can happen there are amazing. Is she still sitting in Canada? I think she's the extradition never happened, but wow. I think she's still under arrest. Wow, she never okay. went back to China, and, as far as I know. And is Huawei, aren't they part of the Chinese government? They're well, so, everything's part of the Chinese well, government right. in China. So, I mean, when you start to think about what's going on with this trade deal that we've been talking about, one of the things we've been dancing around is kind of this intellectual property rights issue, which is you think about a company like Apple that wants to sell in the Chinese market, and why wouldn't you? 1.2 or 1.3 billion people in that country, and to get their products into that country, they've got to really open their books and say, you know, what is this machine you're bringing into our country? And they're turning over the intellectual property rights to the Chinese government, who then in turn probably turns it over to a company like Huawei, which then goes out and competes against Apple. And so the trade secret theft uh, was uh, was made by T-Mobile, that they had some of the stuff. And they were also accused of spying. So yeah, they were in the middle of this, and it is a big part of this China conversation. But moving on, you know, we talk about what can happen uh, with 5G. You know, it's cable modem speed over the year. So it's it's everything from uh, delivering medical advice, right, to, to driving cars. Derek, this is going to be a game changer. No, it's going to be huge. I mean, there's been a, a small rollout by Verizon in Minneapolis and Chicago. There are very few phones that are actually 5G capable. So, you know, it really doesn't matter right now in terms of, of speeds that people will see. But, you know, one, two, three years from now, that's going to be a, a, a big thing. And, and historically, what I've found in, in cases like this is it's really hard to bet on the contact folks because they're basically going to go from a 4G service to a 5G service. So how much will they charge incrementally versus how much it costs them to upgrade their their installed base? But the, the, the real issue is usually with the picks and shovels. You know, it's the semiconductors that, that, built, that supply the phone. So somebody like a Qualcomm. It's obviously the smartphone manufacturers. I would think Apple will have an enormous upgrade cycle into, into 2021 and so on. And I think investors are already starting to sniff that out. And then there are a whole host of other smaller semiconductor and uh, electronic component manufacturers that should benefit as well. But at the end of the day, it's, get, it's enabling the content. It's going to be obviously good for content firms because they'll be able to distribute their films quicker uh, in a much faster way, in a more convenient way. And it will change the landscape dramatically. 
It all leads me at the end of the day to think about what you should do next if you're listening this morning. This is a lot of information. We talked about IPOs. We talked about Chevron. We talked about some financial planning stuff. We talked about some tax stuff. All of it's a lot for a lot of investors to, to consume and to get their arms around. So if you're thinking about that free portfolio review, now would be a great time to do that as we move into the summer months. Give us a call at 262-786-6363 or AnnexWealth.com and set yourself up for that free portfolio review. You'll get that review and a framework for a financial plan. We believe in it. We do it for free without obligation. Yep. Do it. More and more people are. It's 1058. We are out of time. That is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. See you in a week. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.